Welcome to the Legacy of Our African-American Lives podcast, where our stories become oral histories created to uplift, empower, and enrich the next generation. My name is Tangela Irby. I am a G's Ben Legacy, and I am the host of the podcast. And today, I'd like to introduce you to a very special guest. Today, we have Dr. Aaliyah Brown. Currently, she is a professor at East Carolina University. So I would like you to tell us a little bit about the importance of your work when we think about the legacy of our African-American history. How did you get to where you are right now? And how does it relate? What do we need to know about what you're doing? Oh, well, first I'll say thank you for inviting me to have a conversation with you. I really appreciate it. I'm glad to be here to talk with you um, for several reasons. One, yes, I'm a lover of history, but I'm also deeply, deeply invested in all things Black history. I was looking at your podcast and part of your description is leaving a legacy beyond many. And that's how I think about what history can do for us. Knowing the histories that most of us are not taught or that we're taught to forget or taught to be shameful of they're actually very empowering, very enriching, and hold so many solutions to the problems that we face today. Where did this interest come from? You didn't just wake up one day and say that this is what I was going to do, wanted to do as an adult. I imagine growing up, there were some seeds that were planted along the way. Uh, so just share a little bit about your background. Absolutely. I mean, I think it started very young. My mom, especially, both of my parents, but especially my mom, uh, took us to a lot of museums and historic sites. I grew up in Southwest Ohio, so I grew up going to the Freedom Center, other historic sites, and that really sparked an interest, and it made me want to know, like, what does a historian do, or what does a curator do? And then more, how do we tell Black stories with care? That's what I was interested in. People are interested in grabbing towards Black stories, but they don't always do it with care and thoughtfulness. Uh, so that's what I've been focused on. Then the other piece of that is that uh, I got connected with Dr. Carolyn Maslumi pretty young. She is the founding director of the Women of Color Quilters Network. It's now an international network of women who quilt throughout the diaspora. And not only does she do shows and exhibitions, but she also is a preservationist. She's a historian. Because as we know, Black quilting traditions, Black te textile traditions, really, they go so far back. And they're so varied. They have so many different aesthetics, so many different innovative things that quilters are doing. And so I got that foundation really by going to her house and seeing her collection and seeing her shows. I think that that's really what kind of propelled me forward. And, you know, today I am a history professor at East Carolina University. And so my focus is on 20th century African-American history and my research looks at how Black women in particular formed these textile cooperatives in the 1960s. 
cooperatives are an alternative to you know, most of the working environments that we're familiar with. Just a general overview, it's a way for people to have ownership of their work, have a buy-in into the organization. Um, it's a way for people to kind of exercise more autonomy in their work. And so I was really fascinated that Black women, particularly the Freedom Quilting Bee and other sewing co cooperatives in Mississippi and Alabama, they knew way back then that, you know, regular working environments weren't conducive uh, for Black women. And they weren't making, they were making, you know, paltry wages. And this was a way for them to be able to exercise their creativity and also you know, earn a fair, a more fair wage. Yeah, as a professor, I really try to connect with students by gauging what they're interested in and what they're interested in learning and uh, or learning about in the current discourse. You know, even now, students are interested in social justice issues. They're interested in you know, how do we develop a more sustainable society? How do we develop a society where we're able to care for ourselves in ways that are just not present right now? You know, so words like mutual aid, those words are popping up. And so they, because they have that curiosity, I get to say, oh, that's great that you're curious about that. Did you know that Black women in the 1960s formed these organizations? I, so I use basically like their contemporary things that are happening and say, that's great. But the seeds of that started way back, you know, almost a century ago. And so that's really a fascinating way to draw them in. I also like to use a lot of imagery and visual culture. So, you know, students are attracted to what things look like. They're attracted to aesthetics and using really vibrant things like quilts is a way for them to like kind of draw it and be curious. And so that's an opening for me to talk about like, oh, what, what was it like for someone to make this in Alabama? And then that gives a, a history. Students are very engaged right now. They're in a moment of wanting to know how do we create a better lives for ourselves? So what do you say though, to people who are listening right now to this conversation and who are saying that I don't think certain things should be taught. I don't want my child to know about that part of history. The more I invest time in defending what I do, the less time I have with helping black folks remember the, the histories that we need to know we can't be selective about history, right? We can't remember the good old times. Um, and we also have to be critical of what those words mean. So the good old times, they were good for mostly white men. And I teach my students to be critical of like how our memory, how we remember certain things. Erasing history has never led to peace. I have an interesting position and a really wonderful opportunity. I am the Witcher Visiting Distinguished Professor of History and African-American Studies. And what that really means is that I have 
a lot of support from an endowment as well as my college to produce publicly engaged scholarship. And now what that means, you know, in regular terms is that I get to do community-based work. So for example, I am planning an exhibit that with Dr. Carolyn Maslumi. And so that's really wonderful and great, but also we are thinking about how do we, because many of the members are getting up in age, we're thinking about how do we preserve their legacies. So during this um, exhibition, we'll have chance for folks to do oral histories. We'll also have workshops where local artists here will you know, be able to guide people through making quilt squares. So that's really exciting to me. It's just kind of like one part of the yeah. exhibits and things that I'll be doing. And then the, the rest is just engaging local community organizations and you know, making sure that the history of Greenville connects with what is happening on the ground. So that part is in progress, uh, but that's always been a part of my commitment is to make sure that whatever I'm studying and doing is useful to people outside of academia. So what would you say to the next Oh, generation? yes. Yeah, I have plenty of words of encouragement. I mean, I have to say for G's Ben quilters, I'm just inspired. Like, I don't know how you can look at those quilts and not feel inspired, not feel curious, not feel, you know, propel really positive words. That's what I associate. I should have started with that. But, um, just looking at them makes me really excited. So when I see that, that more people are paying attention to them and you know, they're getting their just due. I'm really excited about that. But the words that I would leave about legacy is to, to really do what you can to own your legacy so that it isn't left up to someone else to tell your story. It isn't left up to someone else to make the terms and conditions for how your work would be shown or preserved, or archived, things like that. So it's a lot of work, you know, archiving, inv taking inventory of your quilts, all of that, taking inventory of the places that it's been. It's so much work, but it's work that I think we need to be, that needs to be part of what we do. That needs to be a part of the craft too. And I know that as you know, as I mentioned earlier, there are some networks that are really interested in honing that craft. But I've just seen, especially in some of my research, how the way that I've interpreted some of the relationships between galleries and quilters, it's been abusive. It's also been a scam, you know? So I want to make sure that that doesn't continue to happen. I want to make sure that, you know, quilters feel empowered to demand what they need and demand to be seen and to, to demand that, you know, these collaborations are happening on their own terms. All of the preservation efforts have to prioritize the voices of the descendants and the current voices who are still here making quilts. Because otherwise, that's exploitation. 
And that's something that we have to, you know, in the academic and museum worlds, we have to contend with that a lot of this has been rooted in exploitation. Um, but from the, the quilter side, I'm really glad that more of the legacy, G's been legacy are taking up the call to, you know, share their stories. So that's good. Absolutely. And there's still a lot that we don't know. You know, I talk about owning some of my grandmother's quilts. And, you know, one of the reasons why I wrote the book was to share the quilts with the world, but I still have, they're still my quilts. You know, mm -hmm. the illustration on the cover of the book of my grandmother's quilt. So I can share it with you, but I don't have to give it to you or sell it mm -hmm. to you. It's, it's still ours. Um, but I do know that there are things that you can do in terms of leasing a quilt to a museum. I just found out about that. I didn't know. Yeah, you can, uh, you can loan your quilts to museums. It's one way to think about how you can make sure that certain communities see the quilts, you know, still within your purview. And, you know, the thing with that is just reading the loan agreements carefully so that it's displayed and um, cared for in the way that you're comfortable with and that the time period is for something that you're comfortable with. But it is a good way um, to make sure that more people see the quilts yeah absolutely um and that's you know a lot of the work that I've done with the women of color quilters network is just really examining and going through different options and sharing them out with the quilters and hopefully you know this symposium that we have coming up that will attract you know more people so that it can go beyond just the women of color quilters network to include, you know, everybody who's participated in Black quilting traditions. We're still getting the details together. I would feel excited about it if we had folks from all over the country showing up and we're going to make sure that it's accessible to folks. So that's really the goal is to make sure that people have access to the information that they need to start thinking about their legacy or, you know, sharing what they've learned so far. And one of the things that I always say for the young people is that I want them to start being curious now mm -hmm. about their history while we still have our elders here to ask questions. You know, I learned to quote, but I didn't learn to quote from my grandparents. Both of my grandmothers had passed by the time I want, I picked up the needle. Mm -hmm. Right, and so I couldn't learn directly from them, and so I want our descendants be curious about the past and learn, and so that you know each generation. the The goal is always for each generation to go a little bit further than the one before it. And so, yes, I recommend that young folks just tap into whatever they're curious about because there's a gold mine there. There really is. There really is. Well, Dr. Brown. As always, I've enjoyed the conversation that we've had together today, and I hope that our listeners all have heard something that will help them continue their legacy.